Hello, neighbor, and welcome today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there by SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others. We're just so very pleased and happy to have you with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Revelation. I know it's going to be a blessing to you. If it is, like it and share it with others. You can also go over to establishedinthefaith.com, and if you go there, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to contact us with any questions and comments that you may have. Well, we're going to go on into our study now, picking it up in Revelation chapter 8 and verse 1. Hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. continue our study tonight in the book of Revelation, if you will, turn to the 8th chapter of the book of Revelation, and I'll try not to hold you too long tonight. Revelation chapter 8, we're going to begin with the first verse. Revelation chapter 8, verse 1. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. Now, we've made jokes about this particular passage of Scripture. Some people say that there's going to be silence in heaven. The Lord's going to lock up all the Pentecostal folks and put them over there because there's going to be silence in heaven. One preacher said there ain't going to be no women in heaven because there's silence in heaven. (laughs) You can turn it around and say it the other way. If you get a bunch of men folks in the barbershop, they're just yapping about all kinds of stuff. So we're all guilty uh, for doing a lot of talking. And we all get loud and boisterous at times. But this particular passage of Scripture stands out. Uh, it, It intimates that heaven is a loud place. There's a lot of life and activity that's going on in heaven. And this just happens to catch John's attention. When this seventh seal is open, there is silence in heaven for the space of about half an hour. Now, Several commentators have given different reasons for this. I don't know. We'll know one day when we get there. Everyone in heaven could probably just be in awe, sensing that something is about to happen. One Bible commentator said that due to the great earthquake... The opening of the sixth seal and the devastation that took place under that seal. A lot of people getting saved. A lot of people crying out to God because, like I said, John said that he saw the mountains and the islands were moved out of their places. Large meteorites coming out of the sky and crashing into the earth, changing the topography of the earth, 
a lot of people will be praying and crying out to God. Could it be that this silence in heaven is people praying and crying out to God and all of heaven gets quiet because of the terrible judgment and the things that's just taken place on earth? Really, to be honest with you, we don't know. I think these are some good reasons that some commentators have given, but we really don't know. It's just one of those things that we're just going to have to get to that point one day and see why. And let me tell you, if you're sitting here saved in this service tonight, you will be where John is at and we're reading about it right now. You will be among that crowd that group of people that day when the Lord opens up the seventh seal and there is silence in heaven. You're going to see it. You're going to witness it. And I think then we'll understand it a whole lot better than what we do now. Verse 2, John said, I saw when the seven angels which stood before God and to them were given seven trumpets. He saw when the seven angels, notice the terminology. These angels are distinct and different from all of the other trillions of angels that God created. And because he plainly says here, I saw the seven angels. Now, the King James people translated that next part, stood before God. See that little phrase there? Stood before God. They translated it as that, but the original Greek actually says, in the presence of the Lord God. Now, when you run that through the computer, you will find that that same phrase is used in Luke chapter 1, verse 19. If you want to take a minute and flip over there and take a look at it, Luke chapter 1, verse 19. I'm going to show you something here in this verse. We're going to identify one of those seven angels which are standing before God that will receive one of those seven trumpets. Now, before we get there, Uh, Luke 1 verse 19, let me explain to you what is going on. Zacharias, who is the father of John the Baptist, is going into the temple and he's offering up incense and he's just performing his priestly duties at this time. And while he is in the temple, an angel appears to him. And John, I mean, uh, Luke 1, verse 19, the angel answered and said unto him, I am Gabriel that stands in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to show you these glad tidings. With that little piece of information, we know that the angel Gabriel, which incidentally also came and spoke to Mary, just a few months later after he spoke to Zacharias in the temple, also spoke to Mary and told her 
that she would conceive in her womb, and that holy thing that would be born of her would save his people from their sins and call his name Jesus, which means Savior. So we know who one of those angels are. We don't know who the rest of them are. But this you can rest assured, they are angels of a higher rank than all the rest of the other angels. These are the seven angels which stand in the presence of God. All right, now there's another angel. If you look in Revelation 8, verse 3, picking it up back there again. Another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. Now this is another angel, different separate from the seven that we just previously read about there in verse 2. Now, in order to understand what is going on here with this angel, with this golden censer in his hand and the incense and all that is going on there, you need to understand some things about the old tabernacle and the way things were carried out at that particular time. Uh, if you will, flip over to Exodus chapter 25. I'm going to point something out. Don't get too far from Revelation. Don't lose your place. When Moses went up on Mount Sinai, God not only gave him the ten words or the ten commandments, but he gave to Moses a layout of the way the tabernacle was to be built and all the furnishings of it as well as what the priests were supposed to be doing and whatever the case. And in Exodus 25, verse 40, notice what God said. Look that you make them after their pattern, which was showed thee in the mount. So all that you read about in the book of Exodus, as it pertains to the tabernacle, the brazen altar, the golden lampstand, the table of showbread, the table of incense, the Ark of the Covenant, the veil, all, every piece of it right on down to the individual utensils, God showed it to Moses. This is how it's supposed to be done. Because God already had these things up in heaven. That's how he was able to show it to Moses. And when we see this angel with this golden censer or fire pan in his hand, this is one of the utensils that was actually showed to Moses when he was up on the mountain. 
And God said, you make sure you make these things after their pattern in the way that they were showed to you in the mount. So all of these things are up in heaven. So these are not symbolic of different things. These are actual things that you will see one day when you get to heaven. All right. This angel is taking this censer, and he is offering up incense. Now, he will be going through the exact same motions that the priest went through in the tabernacle when he would offer up incense. And incidentally, the incense was to be offered up at 9 o'clock in the morning and at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. That was the time of the morning and the evening sacrifice that incense was to be offered up now when you walk into the tabernacle it only has one door to get in the front door that's it there's one door when you walk in to the tabernacle you will notice on the left hand side is the golden lampstand Directly across from it, on the right-hand side, is the table of showbread. Right in front of you will be this altar of incense. This is the same altar that we're looking at here in the book of Revelation, or a copy of it, if you will. The beautiful thing about all this is the lampstand that was in the tabernacle was the only light source in that tabernacle. And Jesus in the book of Revelation is seen standing in the midst of seven golden candlesticks. Jesus told the disciples, you are the light of the world. And Jesus, when he gave the interpretation of those candlesticks, he said the seven candlesticks represent the seven churches. This church is a light to this community. You are a light. Jesus said you are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So that candlestick, was a foreshadow of the church, and it was a type of the Israel of that day, what they were supposed to be, a light to the world. That light in the tabernacle cast over upon the table of showbread. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. The church is not to shine light upon itself or to draw attention to itself. Its purpose is to shine light over on the table of showbread, which was a type of Christ. Point is this. We need to be pointing people to Jesus, not to the original Free Will Baptist denomination, not the Friendship Free Will Baptist Church. We want people to come, but you point people to Jesus Christ. That is the answer. All right. I'll just throw that in for free. But that, that altar that we see here in the book of Revelation is the altar of incense. Directly behind it is the veil, the curtain. 
And behind it was the second room of the tabernacle known as the Holy of Holies. That is where the ark of God sat. That is where God dwelt. No one was allowed to go into that area except for the high priest. And he was allowed to go back there on the day of atonement. And he better have some blood in his bowl when he went back there to put it on that ark of the covenant upon the mercy seat. Don't God would have struck him dead on the spot. And some of the Jewish Targums say that on the Day of Atonement, when the priest went in to offer up that blood, they would tie a rope around his leg in case he went in and there was sin in his life that he hadn't repented of and God did strike him dead. They could take that rope and drag him out of that area. They wouldn't have to go in there and get him. But that's just some of what the Jewish Targum say. But that veil is there because it represents sin. That veil is what separated the holy place from the holy of holies where God dwelt. Man could come into the holy place all he wanted, but he could not go into the holy of holies because that's where God dwelt. That's why that curtain was there. Separation. That veil represents the sin that's in our lives. Sin is what separates us from God. But now, if you take the veil and the curtain away, you will see the table of incense sitting right in front of the Ark of the Covenant, which is the place where God dwelt. And notice what it says here in verse 3, latter part, upon the golden altar which was before the throne. These are the furnishings that are actually in heaven. And Moses made a copy of what he saw, and he laid it out and set it in the tabernacle. The only thing that is missing here is that curtain. And that angel is going in now, and he is going to offer up incense on that altar. Now, God told Moses how this was supposed to be carried out. The priest was to go to the brazen altar. The brazen altar was located outside of the tabernacle. The brazen altar is where all the sacrifices were offered up for sin, the burnt offerings. The priest was to go to that altar and take a coal of fire put it in his censer, his fire pan, go into the tabernacle and set it on the table and then pour incense thereon. And when that incense hit that hot coal of fire, the smoke would fill the room. Now, that brazen altar, which was the altar to sacrifices, where all the sacrifices took place, was a type of, of the cross. That coal of fire was a type of the judgment of God upon sin. Simply put this way, 
that incense would not do any good unless it's heated. That incense was a type of Christ's perfect life. He never sinned one time in word, thought, or deed. But his perfect life was not enough to save mankind. He had to suffer the judgment, the fire of the cross. He had to die, which that's what that coal of fire represents, the judgment of God. So when Jesus died on Calvary, his life was accepted before God. But I want you to notice now that along with this incense are the prayers of all the saints. Brother Davis, the prayer that you just prayed tonight, the rest of you that prayed along with Brother J. Davis tonight and myself, God heard those prayers. And they will ascend up before God when the angel adds the incense. And in order for that incense to ascend up before God, it's got to be heated. So he's got to go over to the brazen altar and take that coal of fire, put it in there, put the incense in along with our prayers, and then they go up before God. I'm tying it all in like this. Jesus said in his prayer, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. When we pray, we should be praying in the will of God. Praying that God's kingdom come. We should be praying that the Lord will help us and move us in that way to do our part as it pertains to the upbuilding of God's kingdom. All right, now the next thing this angel does in heaven, verse 5. The angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar. Again, this is the brazen altar, the altar of sacrifice, typified the cross. That coal of fire was a type of the judgment of God upon Christ, upon sin. He takes that coal of fire, he places it in his censer, and now look at what he does. He cast it to the earth. There was thunderings, voices, lightnings, and an earthquake. This censer, with only a coal of fire, which is a type of the judgment of God, is cast into the earth. What we see happening here is a precursor to the judgments which are about to come when those seven angels sound their trumpets. And in verse 6, it says that the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. And let me tell you, you don't want to be here when that time comes. 
Because if you think it's been bad up to this point in time, it's really fixing to get bad now. Because the people that are left here on this earth, they have rejected the cross. They have rejected Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, sin will be judged. Our sins, if you're saved tonight, your sins were judged at the cross. Never to be remembered against you anymore. But every single person that does not accept Jesus Christ as their Savior and the price that he paid for our sins, they're going to have to suffer the judgment of God. There's a many one that have died and they're paying the price right now in a place called hell. And there they will burn forever and forever. But the people that are alive at this particular time, they're going to suffer the judgment of God. And we're going to see things later on here in the book of Revelation that have never happened before. Jesus said, such tribulation, a great tribulation, such as the world has never seen. Thank God I'm saved. Thank God that I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior and I'm going to be looking at these things in heaven one day and I'm not going to be on the receiving end of it. So if you're sitting here tonight and you don't understand a word I've said tonight, just thank God you're saved. Thank God you're saved. But all of that that took place in the Old Testament, what I've tried to describe to you tonight, you're going to see it take place in heaven one day. And what a blessing it's going to be because you're going to say, well, that's what Brother James was trying to tell me. <laughs> and you'll get a better understanding of it then, maybe. If the program today has been a blessing to you, we hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to establishedinthefaith.com, click on the Donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.